0: Philadelphia Eagles W-E-N-J, 973 ESPN This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 973 ESPN Now live inside the Matt Black Kia studios here's Mike Gill You know it felt like that things in Philly in the sports landscape were kind of turning around You know, the Sixers had won 50 games two years in a row. The Eagles had won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They had some injury problems, but still made it to the playoffs. The Phillies signed Bryce Harper. But now the Phillies aren't going to make the playoffs, likely. The Eagles season has gone 0-2 to start. Jalen Rager, torn thumb ligament, probably going to be out multiple weeks now, your first-round pick. Your other first-round pick from a couple of years ago, Derek Barnett, stinks out loud. And the 76ers still don't have a coach. And now this from Keith Smith, who will be on with us tonight at 5 o'clock, says he's starting to hear a lot of buzz that the Sixers are letting teams know they're open to trade talks if they hire Mike D'Antoni. What kind of thing? If we hire this guy, we'd be willing to trade guys. If they hire Mike D'Antoni to be their next head coach, Philadelphia realizes that the current roster with all the bigs isn't built to be successful on a D'Antoni team. I got an idea. Then how about hiring someone else? So I guess let's bring Jason Fitz from Spain and Fitz and ask him that question. If you're breaking them up for Mike D'Antoni, who stays, who goes, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid for Mike D'Antoni?
1: Guys, that's a real – I mean, you have stumped me with that question. I did not see that coming. And I don't know, do you break up two great players for Mike D'Antoni? Like, I I just can't – I can't wrap my head around what, why you would split them up. I understand – process, you know, and, and no pun intended, I, I, I can't understand why they would split them up, frankly. I, I would still try and keep both of them. I mean, I, I, I don't, as much as the, the 76ers are going to around and try and figure out how to drastically get better overnight, there has to be some concept around the toughest thing to do is get star, star players, and in definition of most, you've got two of them.
0: Yeah, you said something that's interesting. Is is hiring Mike D'Antoni worth it to break those guys up? Like, are you getting this great coach that no, is going to turn your no. franchise around?
1: That's that's the thing to me. Like, I, I no, I don't I, absolutely not. I mean, it, it's not that Mike D'Antoni can't be very good. I understand that, but Mike D'Antoni's had absolutely epic players, and the knock on him is it just hasn't been able to take that next step. So we suddenly think that a change in scenery is going to be the the big thing there and guys you know i had our smart people at Stat and info yesterday for espn really breaking down into coaches to change after long 10 years of success you know how do they do if they've been relatively good you know 4 years in a row plus and then they go to their next spot and what we find historically is that their win percentage is about the same and their their depth in the playoffs is about the same budenholzer being the exception obviously he took a big he took a step forward but that's not the norm so even when we were looking Yesterday, you know, with with Spain and Fitz, and we were taking a look at the Bulls decisions uh, with Billy Donovan, you got to look at it and say, what are you expecting with the coach? I I would not give up two-star players for any coach right now that's coming in, because coaches are in their very essence replaceable in the NBA culture, players are not. So you got two stars, find a coach that's willing to make it work.
2: Because I was questioning. Now, I I don't know to what level the Sixers brought in Donovan, but... If you take the if you look at the roster of the Bulls and look at the roster of the seventy sixers and Billy Donovan shows the Bulls,
1: does that say something about Philadelphia? Well, that to me was the most stunning part. You know, we talked to Will Perdue last night on the show and, and obviously he knows the bulls better than most and still works down there as part of the broadcast work for it. And I asked him that straight up question. If you're Billy Donovan, why did you want the bulls? And he said, Never thought of it. Don't really have an answer. And and the more I keep looking at it, Uh, I, I understand that there's this concept that the Bulls are essentially restarting, and so it's a front office conversation. It's an ownership conversation. Do you believe in those pieces that Chicago has put in place? There is zero reason that I would take the Chicago job over the Philly job if I'm a coach. I mean zero. So I don't understand what Donovan wasn't seeing that he'd be looking for in Chicago, but certainly Philly is a better job.
0: Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz, uh, 7 to 9, 97.3 ESPN. Jay, you know, uh, let's transition over to the Eagles right now where uh, Carson Wentz is getting hammered all over the place. And, and of course, uh, it didn't help that they drafted a quarterback, so people are wondering, is this the end of the road for Carson Wentz after now two straight bad weeks? I mean, do the Eagles organizations st- have to start wondering whether or not it's time to move on from their former number 2 overall pick?
1: That, no, I mean, they're, they're just, and I know everybody wants to be, you know, really hyped up about Jalen Hurts and sort of make it make sense that he was such a high draft pick for them. But realistically, if the Eagles thought that they were drafting the, the replacement at any point for Carson Wentz, they wouldn't have waited until the second round. If you think you've got the next Carson Wentz, you're drafting that guy in the first round, every single team in the NFL. So I, I think we're trying to sort of put pieces to a puzzle. Sort of like all the people that are huge fans of like how Nostradamus can sort of predict everything, but it never actually predicts. It's always afterwards when we try and put these pieces together and say, oh, no, this is what he really meant. Like, I think that's what we're doing with the Eagles right now. I still believe that Carson Wentz is uh, capable of winning a ton of football games in the NFL. So I think it's, it's too overreactionary to take a couple of bad games and say that's the end of the road. I excused week one. I will say that because I really expected the Washington football team to have a great defensive line. And I was filling in that morning on radio on Sunday morning, just uh, filling in with my buddy Peter Burns, and he asked me what unit we weren't talking enough about in the NFL, and I said the Washington defensive line, and he made fun of me the whole show. So he called me afterwards and said, my bad, uh, when, when we looked at the Eagles game week one. So I could excuse the, the week one, sort of the defensive line got after him. Week two is a little tougher to me to excuse, but I'm telling you right now, if anyone thinks that there wouldn't be a massive drop-off between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, they are just kidding themselves. Jalen Hurts is not as good as Carson Wentz.
0: Well, I want to ask you this, then, because obviously this team won the Super Bowl. He was not the quarterback. Doug Peterson was the coach, and it just feels like something's off here. I mean, everything just feels – I mean, the the number 1 pick today, Rieger, he gets hurt. He's out for multiple weeks. They've had so many injuries over the year, but it just feels like, uh, you know, something is just not – kosher between the coach and the quarterback or something's up with that organization that just doesn't feel right for a team that just recently won a Super Bowl for the first time in its you know history
1: no and you are a thousand percent right about that I mean if I'm the Eagles a couple of things one we got to remember that you know obviously no preseason means things are going to be rough for certain teams it shouldn't have been rough for this one they have continuity so I don't think that's a valid excuse there but I do think that there's a little bit of sort of warm-up time and you're right Carson Wentz to me when I watch both of those games back afterwards doesn't look comfortable, which is weird to say for somebody that's been in the offense so long. If, if I'm Doug Peterson and the Eagles, I go back and I sit down with Carson and say, okay, give me the 20 plays that this week, you just, you know, you've got, let's get you comfortable and get your feet underneath. him. He, he needs to get on a roll. No different than sort of when a shooter starts a season cold in the NBA. Like there's gotta be something that gets them going. Carson Wentz needs that something. So Really, frankly, again, and we're talking all coaching today, I, I get that. But I look at Doug Peterson and say, okay, you, you are a brilliant, brilliant man that knows how to coach offense at the highest possible level. Find a way to make your quarterback comfortable. And that's the, the teams that we are seeing early on that are having success offensively, I think partially are having that because coaches are doing what's right in the wheelhouse for a quarterback. That doesn't feel like it's happening, frankly, for Philadelphia and for Minnesota, and I think that's what those two teams are the two most disappointing early in the season.
2: Before we touch on your Raiders, which I'm sure you're dying to get into, if I asked you how confident are you that the Eagles can win on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals? Because around here there's a little bit of doubt. Believe it or not, there is. How confident are you?
1: Uh, if I had to make a – if I could only make one pick this week, it would be on the list of the short games that I, I, I'm that confident in. it. Uh, the, and believe me, let me say this loudly, I think Joe Burrow is going to be a superstar player in the NFL – I love watching him last year at LSU. It was stunning to see him, and we were lucky enough to see him up close and in person three or four times throughout the course of the year. I think Joe Burrow is a star, and they have some great offensive weapons, but they have an absolute hot garbage dumpster fire of an offensive line. I don't think that their defense holds up as well. So I think Philly gets right, and they get right in a big way on Sunday.
0: All right, Jason Fitz, main and Fitz tonight. Here more on NFL Week Number Three, which starts tomorrow night, and of course the NBA playoffs continue. Uh, Nuggets with a nice win. Now they should have won that game too. They could argue. Do we feel like this is going to be another long series?
1: Yeah, and and I'm just never going to bet against the Nuggets anymore because I'm wrong every time. And I think it's hysterical that we every time you know we have the three one deficit. So we give you the historical context of that. And then uh, we saw all the stats coming out yesterday about LeBron undefeated when his teams go up to nothing and all of these different things they're trying to tell you. And it's like, guys, that does not matter with this team. You're absolutely right. They should have won game two. I think that sits in their craw. But I also don't think they care. Whatever that DNA is that, that makes people feel like they're against the wall, it, it, the Nuggets don't have it. They're just coming out playing loose and they're playing fast and they're playing the way they know how to play. And they have a total ease with it. So, you know, I'm I'm done picking against them. I, I think the Lakers are the better team in the series. I think the Lakers will win this series. But I think any sort of concept that the, the Nuggets aren't going to make it a long one just isn't giving enough credit to how well they've played throughout the course of it. So nothing will shock me anymore with Denver. And it's, I think it's one of the best stories we've seen in the bubble. It's really fun.
0: All right, uh, and then Heat-Celtics tonight, we'll have that for you on 97.3 ESPN. The NBA playoffs, the NFL, a lot to dive into tonight, Spain and Fitz. And, of course, Jason Fitz, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Thanks, Fitz. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great week. Yeah, man. We'll catch up with him again next week right here. On the Sports Pass, Jason Fitz, brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call for convenient locations to serve you online, gmslaw.com. It's funny, we started off with the question about the Sixers, and people are like, whoa, like, I don't understand how you're, you know, unless you're literally sitting there saying, look, we cannot win with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and you make that – Very difficult decision. It's time to move on from them. Is Mike D'Antoni the right guy to make that decision for? That's the question I have. Is he the right coach to say, we have to get this guy? He is such a valuable asset to have in our locker room and in our organization that it's time to break these guys up that we fought so hard to get.
2: I go in a different direction. It's pretty well known that this ownership group loves D'Antoni. My question is, Can you win anything if these people are making the decisions?
0: Uh, I'd like to expand on that conversation on the other side because I do have a thought about it. Sports Live, 97.3 ESPN, at Mike Gill Show on Twitter, Hunter Brody, at Broads81. So you mentioned, uh, you know, right now, you got all sorts of problems going on. It's crazy how it's all snowballed into this uh, disastrous 2020, which was already a disaster because of, outside forces and now you bring it into the sports world as well the Phillies bullpen atrocious the 76ers utterly disappointing and the Eagles season has gotten off to a rotten start how much do the ownership groups play a factor in all this huh
2: I think they definitely do play a big factor I mean we look at this Sixers organization and it is ridiculous I mean there is no doubt that there is a problem with how that organization is ran from top to bottom. And then you can look at what's going on with the Phillies and John Middleton, Matt Klentak, JT Romuto. We're happy with the two years of control. Yeah, we'll give up Sixto Sanchez for that. That's a garbage mindset. And when you look at the Eagles, I'm not saying Jeffrey Lurie is at the same exact level as what's happening with Joshua Harris and David Blitzer, but can't you sense maybe a common theme going
0: on between all three of those organizations right now? You know, yes, you can. I mean, I think Middleton has a lot of... Look, put it... Okay, I, I'd i like to, to break it down into these terms. Anybody out there listening, think if you own the team. All right? Think of yourself as the owner of a professional sports team. You buy a team because, essentially, you're a sports fan, you think it would be fun, you think it would be neat, and you think you have a clue about sports. So you buy a team. Most of these guys aren't buying teams to make money. They already have money. This is like something fun for them. So these people buy the team and they want to have some input. It's not like, hey, let me go buy a team so other people can manage my team. Let me go buy a sports franchise and then go put my feet up and let Hunter Brody pick the players for me. No, these guys want to have input because they own the team. That's why they got into doing it. Now, Josh Harris, is he a basketball fan? Is he somebody that enjoys basketball? Maybe. I'm not saying Josh Harris is telling people who to pick, but people that he hires, people that is around him Maybe they think they know stuff about basketball, and they're all friends, and it's like a bunch of friends, like college roommates saying, hey, we own a basketball team. Let's let's buy a team and see what we can do with it. And then this is what ends up happening. You know what I'm saying? No, I understand completely, but the problem is this can't continue to happen or you're not going to succeed, so how do you change that? Right, I mean, and, and we say as fans, you can't keep doing this or you're not going to succeed, and they're saying, I own the team. This is what I want. So it's frustrating to us, but this is this is what the, this is the route they've chosen when they've bought the team to run it in this capacity. Well, we were just
2: informed by Elton Brand that he had the decisions moving forward. They were going to get rid of some of the Brian Colangelo people that were still involved with the front office. We haven't heard any noise since then, and, and I honestly believe at this point that that was just a lie. I don't even think that's
0: true. I mean, if they end up getting rid of them, and uh, I mean. Well, this is what
2: they're saying. Apparently, the 76ers, when we had Keith Pompey on a while back when Brett Brown was fired, one of the things he mentioned that I took note of was how heavy, how strong they felt about analytics. And maybe they went too extreme the one side, where a lot of their decisions were based off of those numbers. And maybe they need to make a change in the philosophy of the organization and go in another direction, maybe not lean so heavy in that way. And is that going to change? And if that does change, is that going to be the difference? Well, I don't know.
0: I think another problem is you had Elton Brand hired to be the GM and you left the two guys that were working for the other GM in their same places. So essentially brand doesn't have the guy, you know, it's like the owner saying to, okay, he hires the GM. The owner says, Hey, I'm hiring you to be my GM. And then, again, it goes back to, I'm the owner of the team. I want to run the team, and I want the people around me that I want. If you're the GM and you're saying, I want to hire this guy, and the owner's saying, I don't really like that person. I just don't like that guy. I, he, he's a bad dude. I don't want him here. I own the team. I don't want that guy here. He might be the best option. Elton Brand might be saying, no, 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 this guy really is good. He knows what he's doing. And I'm the, the owner, and I said, doesn't matter. I don't like that person. I just don't like him.
2: Well, how about this? We had on... Um, Go back to Keith Pompey. We had him on recently, and he was talking about actually hiring a president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something that I think can help put this organization in the right spot. But then we can go back and say, well, who's hiring this guy? If this is someone who's going to go back to Joshua Harris and just do whatever he says, well, then does that really change much in terms of the philosophy? Right. Not really.
0: But, okay, my point is is on this is this is – probably 85 to 90% of organizations. They're all run like this where, look, we act like the same teams win championships year after year, after year, after year, after year. I mean, no, not really. I mean, in football, the same team doesn't win all the time, save for the Patriots, but even they don't win the Super Bowl every single year. It certainly doesn't happen in hockey. It doesn't happen in baseball, where the same team wins the World Series year after year. In basketball, you get a lot of the same teams, but that's because you get that one player in basketball. So my point is, Who's hiring? This is everywhere. The owner hires the people that they're comfortable with. So you always are kind of um, a prisoner of the fact that the owner is uh, signing off on who you're hiring. Well, let me throw this out at you. Let's look at the Celtics, right, and Danny
2: Like, I I do think that there are organizations where, I'm with you, look, we're pissed off because it's happening here, but it's happening everywhere, and someone is going to win, right? So, like, I understand where your mindset is with this, but this is... An organization where the Sixers haven't been good and they went through this tanking process and I get all that. But now that they actually have talent, they're still not good. And I feel like there's a reason for that. And what's holding them back is the way that these people up top are working. And there's ways to, you know, have an ownership group that allows more freedom to trust their guys that will benefit in the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the hope, is that you finally get to that balance where the owner backs off enough and trusts the, the the right people, if they have the right people in there. We're not even sure that the Sixers have the right people in there. We're not sure that, you know, I mean, there's so much discussion about Howie Roseman. Is he the right guy? I mean, he was the GM of the year that they won the Super Bowl. Okay, well... Uh, there's been so much mystery about what Roseman actually has done. One thing we know Roseman has done that has benefited the team is he's manipulated the cap. He has been able to kind of – You know, bring guys in, move money around. He constantly kicks the can down the road. You give him credit for that. The problem we've had with Roseman is don't know who he's drafted, who he hasn't drafted. Who did he have a lot of influence on picking? Who he didn't really have a lot of influence on picking? Did he want J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? Did the coach want J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? Did the owner want J.J.? We have no idea. We have no idea what uh, impact Howie Roseman has on the draft. All we know is that the draft record while Howie Roseman has been here, has not been very good.
2: It has not been. And something that just triggered my mind when we're sitting here discussing this and thinking about Jalen Rieger and his injury, you're now going to have your first-round pick this year out, Davion Taylor, who's a project, and then the whole Hurts situation, which is a very limited role that he's going to have. So in this season, your impact guys that you drafted this year – you don't really have any. It's such a tough look.
0: No, Rieger out for multiple weeks now with this thumb injury. Jalen Hurts, obviously, never really into the situation so far through two weeks. And Davion Taylor has made zero impact thus far. It's the Sports Bash Live. Hit us up on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board, 609 403. 0973 609 403 0973. The PlaySugarHouse.com text board. Place your legal sports bets at PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Don't forget, in about an hour, we've got Ask Mike and Bros. But coming up next, it's our headlines for the day. We've got so many things going on to get into. Game three of the Stanley Cups tonight. Who knew? Come on. The disrespect. By the way, again, Rieger torn UCL in his thumb, likely to be out multiple weeks. The hits just keep on coming for the birds. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles football. This Sunday, the Eagles host the Cincinnati Bengals at the link. Coverage begins at 10 a.m. On 97.3
1: ESPN.
0: All right, bottom of the hour. Don't forget the Eagles on the Bengals this Sunday. Pre-game coverage starts at 10 o'clock with the locker room and Billy Schwein leading into the Eagles radio coverage at noon. And then Merrill and Mike have the call at 1 o'clock. Coming up, it is football at 4 with Jeff Mosher today. Injuries are the story. Jalen Rager out for a while with a thumb injury. And Mike Clay, who will be on game night on Friday at 620, he just tweeted out, Something interesting said, considering how the Eagles have been collecting speed receivers, I wonder if a trade with the Bengals for impending free agent John Ross makes sense. Ross fell uh, Ross fell to fourth on the Bengals' depth chart. So uh, Ross was this guy. You know what? Ross went to Washington, didn't he? I don't want any other players that went to the University of Washington. Done with that. Can't Sydney disagree. Jones. It's hard to, uh, Sydney, you know, hard to think about Washington players with Sidney Jones, Sidney Jones, Markel Fultz. I'll take a pass. Yeah, hey, Matisse Thibault. Yeah, I'll take a pass on anybody from Washington. Thanks. Okay.
2: I don't think that that's a uh, a bad way to look at things. You are a very logical guy. I like to go down the road you go. Sometimes, unless it's about the bullpen. But anyway, look to add to the excitement of Week Three. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't miss offer. All new users can turn $1 into $100 when you place a bet on any team. That's $1. Turn that into $100 when you place a bet on any team. If football is not for you, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans the same great offer this weekend at UFC 253. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only gambling problem. Call one 800
0: gambler. By the way, this is another uh story that just came out in the last 20 minutes. Reese Hoskins long shot to play in the regular season. He took dry swings, has not hit the ball yet, still not ready to play. The Phillies hurt my soul. I'm okay without him. He's not hurt my he's not doing much for me. They're not winning or losing games because Reese Hoskins isn't here. It's a fair point. Yeah. It definitely helps the lineup, but yes, I would agree. All right. They scored Let- more than enough runs last night to win.
2: <laughs> yes. The yes, they did. I there mean, the is first no game, yeah. denying that. All right, I want to start with this crazy story. I-, I don't know if I've seen a story like this ever in my entire life. The Chargers quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, his lung was punctured by a team doctor who Before the Chiefs game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Anthony Lynn, the head coach, just commented on it literally moments ago. He said, I'm not angry at all. It happens all the time. A punctured lung happens all the time from the team doctor? I don't think I've ever actually
2: heard it before. Unless they just, maybe this happens and they don't tell the people how it happened. Like, what if one day we hear news about someone having an injury in practice and they don't say how it happened, where it happened, and the team doctors did it? Is that possible?
0: I mean, anything's possible with all these guys that get hurt and how they might get hurt and the fact that they're getting, you know, why are you sticking, what are you sticking in the guy's chest? Look, if you have to stick something in Tyrod Taylor's chest to get him ready to play, I mean, just go to Herbert to begin with. Why even take a chance of sticking something in the guy's chest? Just go to the other guy. Can he sue? No, I mean, I guess it's all, like, um, you know, collectively bargained.
2: Huh. Now, I wonder, does this guy, the team doctor, does he ever get picked up again if he's fired? Like, do you fire a guy like this? Do you move on? Do you get a new doctor?
0: I heard he's interviewing for the Eagles job right now. Oh, yeah, he'll get it in day one. <laughs>
2: he just has to show up, yeah, apparently. I, I mean,
0: it, look, the... the the Anthony Lynn says, Oh, this happens all the time. I can't imagine he's talking about, um, this particular injury, but maybe the doctor's doing something that causes injury or forces more injury. I don't know. How does this story change? If this is Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Pat
2: Mahomes, I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor's a a nobody, but does it intensify a bit if, Tom Brady misses four games because of a lung puncture based off the doctor. A
0: lung puncture. Yeah. <laughs> a punctured <laughs> lung. Yeah, you would think so. Hey, how did Tom Brady miss games? Well, the doctor sat on his chest and cracked his rib. Yeah, especially after leaving town, going to a different
2: city, and then having a whole new team doctor. He goes, well, hold on a second. They didn't do this in New England.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, I've never heard, oh, the team doctor tried to uh, inject him in his chest and it caused him to puncture a lung. I've never heard of such a thing. Now what's
2: weirder? Is this weird? Like uh, you got two scenarios. Your team doctor does this or you're trying to zip up your pants. Your fingernail comes off and then you can't pitch again.
0: Jeez. That's a good question. I don't know. What about this? Did you see this this morning? Um, So Thursday night football, it's the beard versus the mustache. You got Minshew up against Fitzpatrick. First off, would you rather go beard or mustache look?
2: I think I have one of those personalities that could rock one of those obnoxious, goofy mustaches. I can't get it to the degree that Minshew does, but if I could, I think I would go mustache because I feel I can get away with, you know, like we talked about check done doing a mullet. Not anyone can just pull off a mullet, but I feel I can be one of those obnoxious individuals who go down a road like that. So I'm going to go muzzy.
0: Yeah, he says, mustaches versus the beard. I think the beard is a cooler look, said Fitzpatrick. I think guys that grow mustaches a lot of times have patchy sides for their beards, so they just stick with the mustache. My wife appreciates the mustache trimmed up a little bit more, but she does does hate the beard, too, so I guess that's a lose-lose for me. And then Minshew fired back over the top and said, you know, I'm going to have to respect my elders, especially when they're much, much elder. Be respectful. Wow, so a little bit of chirping back and forth. Thursday night football. Got to get a little buzz for the game. Mustache versus the uh, beard. I don't think I have as much buzz as I
2: did. But we talked about the Cincinnati and the Browns matchup. We knew that wasn't going to be some crazy, insane game like Sunday night football was. But I had more juice for that than I do this matchup.
0: Dolphins. I mean, if Tua was playing, I guess you'd be excited. But, I mean, you got Fitzpatrick. You got Gardner Minshew. Eh. I mean, no. not a, Not a game that you're all that juiced up about, but I bet you find yourself watching it. Although Lakers nuggets are on the same night. Wow. That's one of those ones that has
2: the potential where NBA playoffs has more volume than the, uh, than the Thursday night game, but who knows? It could be one of those games where it's coming down the stretch fourth quarter. Somehow Gardner Minshew has three touchdown passes already. It seems to be that way, right? I mean, he, he seems to find right. ways to pull it off.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. Like, you know it's going to be a shootout between you would think those two teams. So Jacksonville has no defense whatsoever.
2: Fitzmagic's interesting, though, huh? He Especially early in seasons, he finds ways to, I don't know, I mean, he puts games together where it's like, wow, really? This guy still is doing this?
0: Oh, Fitzpatrick? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, like, he is, he's the guy that gives you this like four times a year, but they always stand out. And it's the other 11 times that he stinks. Right, right. You
2: know? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, All right, so last night, the Nuggets.
0: Nuggies. What
2: would you think overall? I just want to get your overall thoughts on
0: the game to start this off. Uh, Look, I mean, the Nuggets, they had that game pretty much in hand. Uh, They were up by 10 at the half, and they just kind of kept going, and uh, they played a really good game last night. I thought, you know, when you break that down and kind of look at it on a smaller level— um I thought they did a great job with uh Joker. Davis had what? One rebound last That's night. That's
2: crazy. I was thinking if
0: Embiid
2: finished a playoff game with one board, what would the reaction be?
0: Well, they're different types of players, but yeah, I mean Davis is kind of more of a stretch five or four, whatever you want to call him, where in is a bigger, more physical guy. But I thought again, like it was like the game that um oh man. That uh he played in, in game seven. He dom- Joker dominated that game in different ways. Like it's not even that he dominates the game by Scoring thirty points, you know what I mean? Like he just such. And I, I say this all the time about him. He's so savvy. And I thought last night his savviness just was a problem for the Lakers. How about, by the way, the guy that I'm forgetting to bring up, former Sixer Jeremy Grant? He had a great game. Yeah, he scored uh, twenty six points, three rounds and assists, and two steals, and pretty much defended. LeBron or AD all night last night but Murray was phenomenal last night he has 28 points eight boards 12 assists I mean you're getting look th- there are two players I mean you'll get scored 30 by the way but you know we're talking about um their two players stepped up and showed up in the biggest game I thought they had a great game plan last night now if I
2: remember correctly was the grant trade the one for Ilya Sova yeah How do you feel about that looking back? Are you one of those like, oh, you could have had this guy? I mean, so much has happened since the Jeremy Grant trade. It's hard for me to really look at it and go, oh, man, the Sixers are just so awful because of that trade. There's so many things on my list that fall way before Jeremy Grant Ilyasova.
0: Yeah, and that's like, you know, Ilyasova was a trade during that year where Ilyasova really, you know, they went on that 18-game win streak. That was the first year they went to the playoffs. Yeah, looking back at it, you know, it, it, it's so far down the road that you can't sit here and knock them for it because Ilyasova was a big part of them making the playoffs for the first time.
2: Do you look at this Nuggets team after this win and say they have a legit shot at maybe winning this uh, winning this series? I like them. I think they're super fun. Yeah, I see them pull out games like this. I, I just think that. The Lakers have too much in LeBron and AD at the end of it. I
0: mean, do I, I think, look, I picked the Denver Nugget. At the beginning of this whole thing, I said, I have a surprise pick to go to the finals. I like Denver. I think Jokic doesn't get enough respect out there. And Murray is better than I even gave him credit for. And I still picked him to go to the finals. And he's better than, and he's better than I thought when I picked him to go to the finals. That being said, I still think the Lakers are probably the favorite here. They're unquestionably the favorite here. But I'm not shocked if Denver wins this thing. They should have won game number two. They won last night pretty handily. And I think they feel like they're the better team. They said it afterwards. We should be up 2-1 in this series. They really believe that. And I think they're playing like that. And even if they're down 3-1, they've already shown that they're not done. So, no, I'm not surprised if Denver comes back and wins this thing. It might go deeper than I
2: expected it to. But, once again, when it's LeBron, I just feel he's going to you know, he's going to find a, a way to get this thing done. Now, let's transition a little bit into the next matchup, which is Miami Heat. Hold on, real Boston quick on Celtics. that.
0: Though. Real quick on that, though. See, okay. one thing is, LeBron and AD, like last night, I thought Denver did a really good job against both of those guys. And then the the the, the next level of player for the Lakers, you know, that's where uh, they're, they're just okay. Like, Rondo's really savvy. He's another guy that's really savvy. But, the second that that group of that second group of guys, they're not consistently good all the time. Davis and James had big nights last night, but nobody else did anything. I mean, they got no help last night. So That's a good point. You know, if they now, can if they can kinda take Danny Green and McGee and Pope and Kuzma and Rondo and Caruso, and I think Caruso ended up getting hurt last night, if they could take those guys and figure out ways to kind of minimize them and just say, Hey, Davis and James like that's kinda seemed like their game plan last night.
2: No, it's a good point. Absolutely. You need more players than just those two. It's just hard for me to bet against LeBron. It's one of those New England Patriots stories with Tom Brady. Until I see them out of it, I don't believe that they're actually out of it. I'm not saying it's not going to go deep. I do think it goes deeper than I expected. Maybe it does go seven.
0: But it's LeBron. Yeah, I don't know. I like Denver. I'm not going to – look, I picked Denver at the beginning. I'm not going to flip-flop now. I like Denver. All right. Well,
2: who do you like in this Heat-Celtics game four? Series is 2-1. Boston bounces back. This is a big one. I mean, this could be the difference in the series if you think about it. This is a huge game.
0: Big time. And they got Hayward back the last game. And you talk to the people who cover the Celtics. Keith Smith tonight at uh, 5 o'clock, NBA writer who's got a lot of stuff. But he mentioned it last week that they losing... Uh, Hayward was a big loss for them in the way they run their offense and now getting him back has kind of balanced some things out for their offense that they were missing in those first couple of games and they get the game from Hayward yeah he doesn't do much but he played 31 minutes and late in the game he kind of runs some stuff for them and it takes the pressure off of Tatum to have to not only take the last shot, but then have the ball in his hand and run everything. They like to do that with Hayward a lot more. I thought overall, you know, it just gives him, look, he played 31 minutes in the last game. Their bench was so limited and that, that helps them out. You know, their bench, okay, you talk about, uh, playoffs and bullpens and yada yada. Boston played their guys 41 minutes, 41 minutes, 36 minutes, 43 minutes and 31 minutes. Okay. This is what you do when you get to this time of the year. Give me the my best guys and give me what you got. If I go down with them, I go down with my better guy. I'm not going down with uh, Semi-Ojale.
2: Well, here's your difference. You're talking about rocking 45 minutes in a playoff game with Furkan Korkmaz or uh, Norbel Pell.
0: That's the well, I'm kind of comparing it to the Phillies bullpen.
2: No, I know, but that's your Phillies bullpen. Furkan Korkmaz and Norbel Pell. So who would you rather go forty minutes with in an NBA playoff game? That's comparison of Hector Neris and Brandon Workman.
0: Yeah, well, again, I, I'm gonna go with the better guy. I mean, I'm gonna Who's go that? I'm gonna go with Quirkmaz, who can at <laughs> okay. least if he if he gets hot, he gets hot. If he doesn't, uh, then guess what? I went down with the guy who can at least get hot. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I want to get your thoughts on Kemba Walker throughout this series, because I know you're a Kemba Walker guy. He played well the other night. He did, he's, he did, he's he's he did been, He's been disappointing in the playoffs. And I think, you know, that we played that Bob Myers audio uh, about a week ago when he talked about playoff basketball as opposed to regular season basketball. And, you know, in the regular season, you know, you're you're whatever, you're not paying attention and all. But when you get to the playoffs, you know everybody's moves. You know everything they do. And if they're a one-dimensional player, and I'm not saying Kemba's just a one-dimensional player, but he's like maybe a -a one-and-a-half-dimensional player, you know? And I think that his limitations get kind of – magnified in a series like this and in all like in all these playoff series uh it's been a little disappointing because I thought Kemba was on that other level where he wouldn't be exposed as much in the playoffs now he doesn't get exposed every single night every single game he had a great game uh the other night I say a great game I mean he was four of eight from three he was 21 points I mean he played 41 minutes he had six rebounds I mean he did a little bit of everything I just wonder how much of it has to do with his size
2: because in regular season hoops, you know, it's different. You run up and down the court, but that size of being six foot and going up against, you know, if let's say they're playing the Sixers. I know it's different though, because Ben Simmons would be matched up on Jason Tatum, but I'm just throwing out a hypothetical of in postseason ball when it's so slow down. If you do have a guy like Ben Simmons, which is rare to have a 6'10 guard like that on him. I just don't know how much of it is on that size that the, he can do the step back. I'm thinking about getting separation. There's no doubt he can get separation, but how much is truly based off of being that small?
0: The size, I think, is a little bit of a problem for him. Yeah, to try to um, like create and generate his own shot. In the regular season, they're giving you that space. You heard what Bob Meyer said. Yeah, you, you have that three-point shooter. He gets that extra space in the regular season, so he gets a better look. In the playoffs, that space gets cut in half. In the playoffs for Kemba Walker, that defender might be a step and a half off of him, so he has that ability to kind of pull up. Here, that gap is closed a little bit more, and now Kemba Walker has to try to create that space as opposed to be given that space. Couldn't agree more. When you look at
2: these two teams, who do you feel is the better squad? Because my gut tells me that the Boston Celtics, when you look at the roster, I I think they have more. But there's something about this Miami team that's playing on another level. But I, I do, deep down, think that the Celtics are, like, the actual better squad. They're just not playing that way at the moment.
0: Uh, You know what? It's a good question. I mean, who's deeper? I think Miami... Both teams they are. They just married. have guys that
2: can shoot. Like anyone who steps into that damn, that damn court with that jersey on
0: is rocking a bunch of threes and making it work. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the Sixers series. Who would I rather play, Boston or Miami? And I said Miami depends more on the three than Boston does. That's why I would rather play Boston. Now either one of them would have whipped your butt because uh, the Sixers played like crap, but. Miami shot 44 threes the other night. Boston shot only 26. I mean, the Heat, the, the, both teams are not extremely deep. Like, the Heat the other night, they, they play, their starters played 38, 37, 32, 28, 28. Hero came off the bench for 36 minutes. But that's about it. They play like five guys, and then the other guys get like 13, 16, 17. Like, that's the way you win. You know, you win like that, where you have these teams have their six guys, seven guys that are boom, and then the like the Sixers I think they tried to play too many guys and they're in and out I mean there's no flow to, to answer your question who's better they're very evenly matched I think Jimmy Butler seemingly is the best player in the series so I think that tilts it over to them but I think the secondary players for the Celtics they have more secondary players so it's very even you know Butler might be the best but Tatum's right there behind them they're, they're they're pretty close um I I guess the next guy I mean I don't know is the next guy bam who do you probably
2: like next? but it's because of his skill set it feels a little different saying you know his impact compared
0: to a ball handler but
2: yeah he might be he might be
0: yeah is bam like the second if you were doing a, a draft on the playground is bam the second guy are you going? Jalen Brown I mean Jalen Brown I think has really exceeded expectations from what people thought he was going to be and where he even was I mean the other night he played 43 minutes he's 11 to 17 he has 26 and then you know they also have Kemba Walker who I mean I know we just kind of criticized a little bit but he's still a pretty darn good player I mean he's been an NBA all-star on it it's hard to be an NBA all-star on a team that's not even a playoff team
2: Yeah, you saw how hard it was for Bradley Beal to even get a vote, and that guy was, uh,
0: what, averaging 30 points per game? I mean, who's the third heat? It it would be Butler and Bam, and then who, like Drogic or... Yeah, you know what? It's got to be Drogic this series.
2: He's been dropping 29, 26 in the fourth quarter down the stretch. He's been making big buckets. I was thinking Tyler Hero is obviously a spark plug for that team, but it's probably Drogic.
0: And then you have, right, you have Hero who they see... They really luck out with Hero and Robinson being two just big time players way more than you ever anticipated.
2: And that's how I like teams. that you said that, though, because look, I'm, I'm with you. These guys can do it, but you say lucked out. And I think that there's people out there, specifically anti Brett Brown people, who would say that if they were in the Sixers organization, they would probably stink. And they wouldn't be knocking down threes like Eric Spolstra has them knocking down threes. Well, I mean,
0: I I would say I disagree with that because why did people get pissed at Brown? He shot too many threes. Those are the kind of guys that would fit well into what Brown really wanted to do. Right. J.J. Redick was knocking down threes. You know, Uh, I mean, he's a three-point shooter. We didn't really talk a lot about this because of the football season kind of swallowed it up. But Kevin Durant said it. He said, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons' biggest problems have been, their roster turnover has been so frequent that they have not been able to get into a rhythm with their roster, and, I, and I've and i been saying that for a couple of years. You keep turning the roster over on your two best players and saying, hey, play with Robert Covington, play with Dario Sarge, play with Jimmy Butler, play with Tobias Harris, play with J.J. Red. You, know, th- th- you just keep changing it on them. They have no flow and no you know, uh, continuity within the roster there, and I think that shows. But if you would have put those two guys on a team like the Sixers you know, I think they would have lit it up here. Adding
2: filling guys like those guys where, you know, your core can't keep changing. And it wasn't like they were just changing. They were changing with 20 games left to go in a playoff run, and you're adding a dominant ball guy like Jimmy Butler. It's not like it's just your casual enter a bench player here. It was some serious change constantly.
0: It sure was. There's no question. Uh, Keith Smith going to talk NBA tonight. We have a story about the Sixers, according to Keith Smith, That Mike D'Antoni, not only is he the leader right now, that if he is hired, the Sixers are open for business on the trade market to try to accommodate Mike D'Antoni's coaching style. We'll have more on that tonight. It is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. And the free mobile app. Don't forget, coming up, Jeff Mosher, football at 4.0. And tonight's fine, five, ugly, five, five, best, five, worst teams in the NFL. Wake up weekday mornings from six to 10 with Keyshawn, Jay, Will and Zubin on 97.3 ESPN. Coming up
2: Thursday, the Eastern Conference finals are back and the Celtics look to even the series. Plus week three in the NFL is here. Keyshawn, Jay, Will and Zubin Thursday, 6 a.m. Eastern ESPN radio and ESPN news. Keyshawn.